Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the one, the only Remster Republic podcast. I'm your host, as always, Remso W. Martinez. Go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Remso101. That's R-E-M-S-O-101. Follow me there. I'll follow you back. That way we can go ahead and expand our ever-loving Liberty family. Uh, welcome to new listeners, especially because every episode is somebody's first episode, and we look at the numbers every week. The more of you are coming in to hear this message of limited government individual liberty and free markets it's great to have you here season four we've had a bit of a theme older listeners will definitely know where i'm going for we are talking about disruptors cultural disruptors business disruptors political disruptors different ways of looking at not necessarily new problems but finding different ways to approach old challenges find new solutions to things that could not necessarily need a vast improvement, but a little bit of tinkering, whether it's understanding how to make your phone faster, understanding how we're going to go ahead and speak to each other, or understanding how the political process is going to engage with us as we look for the future. We live in an age where we're no longer just looking at the two-party system, or as Congressman Ron Paul calls it, the one-party state. We're looking at different ways of approaching how we're interacting with our state, local, and federal government, and to ignore the rise of third parties isn't necessarily something that we can continue to do. For those of you that know me, most of my adult life, I was a member of the Libertarian Party, and then around 2016, I became a Republican. But I still believe that third parties deserve a fair and honest platform in the marketplace of ideas, because a large percentage of our listenership, around 30 40%, are actual independents, whether they be just, you know, a little calling themselves centrists or small libertarians or conservatives. We have, I think, the smartest audience in America, free and independent thinkers. And our guest today has joined something that I haven't heard since I was a student back in high school reading my American history book. We talk about the Federalist Party, not that I've been a big fan of it, but we brought on Joel Curtinitis and Pat Nicholas on the live show. You may have seen him, Joel, on the podcast before. And uh, we've got many others that are popping up left and right. It's a strange time to be alive. It's kind of cool, but at the same time, it can be twice as annoying if you understand how the third-party world works. And when it comes to this, it's not necessarily anything brand new, but it's the idea of bringing old concepts to life in the 21st century. Ladies and gentlemen, to talk about the Whig Party, more specifically, the Whig Party of Virginia. I wanted to bring on the State Party Chairman, Mr. Tim Cotton. Sir, welcome to the program. Thank you. It's great to be here. So the last time I ever heard of the Whig Party, it was about how the Whig Party fell apart and gave rise to the Republicans right around the time of the Civil War. So obviously, quite a bit of time has passed between now and then. So what, what's going on? What are you trying to do? Well, what we're trying to do is we're looking back to what was it that uh, brought the Whig Party to power and what made it so power, uh, so powerful in its day. And uh, when you look at the history of the United States during the time when the Whigs were, uh, you know, one of the two major parties, what we saw was the what I call the age of compromise. And what was happening is you had sides that sometimes were polarized would come together and find a way to make it work for everybody. Henry Clay, you know, the great compromiser of 1820 and 1850. 
And it was after the Whigs fell out of favor that the Kansas-Nebraska Act came, which divided the country, led the Civil War, and, and you know, with many issues that we're still fighting. And I think that one of the problems in America today is that uh, we're polarized once again, that people are, you know, the extremes are to the left, the extremes are, the other extremes are to the right. The pendulum isn't setting in the middle, it's staying one way or the other. And, and I believe that we as Americans are able to come together and find ways and solutions rather than just just boost our party. I think that there's ways that we can do that. I recently finished um, reading Conscious of a Conservative by Senator Jeff Flake of Arizona. And um, he talks about this divide between the parties, the age of, you know, common sense government and, you know, respectable politics is dead, in his opinion. And while I would agree to that extent, um, a lot of the terminology uses things that they're, I'm not going to call it a dog whistle, but it's for a lot of people it might be code. When they hear compromise, they hear sellout. When they hear uh, coming together, they hear putting principle aside. Um, I have a question to ask about that, but before we go further, I kind of want to understand your worldview. In terms of ideology, how would you describe the Whig Party? Would it be centrist? Very much so, centrist. Um, if I, uh, I would say it tends to lean either way, depending on the circumstances. Uh, from what I'm seeing, uh, it's, it tends to lean towards the right, I think. I think Americans lean towards the right. So here's, so, my, here's my thing about centrists and moderates, and you know, definitely feel free to call me on my bullshit if I'm wrong, but I, I always just kind of describe them as political sociopaths. I mean, there's this joke online where you've got um, two people arguing. You know, one person says, "I'm going to go ahead and put this this uh, this kitten in a blender," and the other person says, "No, don't put the kitten in the blender." And then you have a moderate come in and said, "Just put half the kitten in the blender." <laughs> I just don't understand. Like, moderate means so many things. People described Jim Webb as a moderate. People described John Kasich as a moderate. But then again, you have two very systems of approaching government. Uh, some people say, well, you know, if we want a third party that just does the down-the-middle-road type of thing, just have federalism. But federalism is not an ideology. Federalism is a mechanism of how to govern a society. So in terms of issues, and let, let's kind of go down a, a list of a, a few different policy areas. When it comes to taxation, where does the Whig Party you know, stand on that. Do we tax too much? Do we tax too little? Or are we just in the sweet spot? Well, I think that uh, right now, I think we're taxing too much and, and maybe not even as much as too much, but uh, we're just not taxing properly. But but taxes are, are a way of taking money out of the economy. Um, it's never good, I don't think, when the government is deciding how we should spend our money best for, for us. I think that... Um, I think what what makes a Whig a Whig, you know, talking about the center, isn't necessarily the center ideologically. It's more the center between the two parties. Um, I, I think, you know, because what I'm saying here sounds very right, and the average Democrat would not like what I what I just said. But I think that there's three areas where the United States must make major changes, and that is tax reform, Social Security reform, and our social welfare uh, needs to be reformed before we can ever move forward. And we're polarized in fighting over issues rather than really sitting down 
uh, and looking at how are we going to do that. So when you look at the welfare state, that, that's an area of key interest for me. Um, in terms of welfare reform, what, what's the weak stance on that? <clears throat> I, I think that, that, that we, we definitely have to have a mechanism that takes care of, of, of certain people. You know, that, that need to be taken care of, uh, whether they're unemployed, whether they're disabled or whatnot. But, but what we're doing now, I don't believe is working. You know, RFK said many years ago that, that you, know, you know, liberal Democrat of his day would easily be a conservative today. But what he was talking about uh, when, with LBJ, why he opposed the Great Society, was because he said that what we were going to do by just handing out food and money to people was we were going to take these communities and put them into a worse slavery than we had freed them from. You know, the old, uh, is it better to give somebody a fish or to teach them to fish? And, and, and we've created generations of people who have, who have become dependent on the government rather than, um, you know, creating incentives for possibly businesses to come into an area uh, where there is a labor force you know, waiting to happen, we need to be able to get in investments and create jobs for them. And and just handing out money isn't doing anybody any good, and it's not good for people to not work. I, I totally see where you're coming from, and you brought up a lot of fair points. Um, I guess the only area where I would say I've got some fault, and I know a lot of my cons- more conservative libertarian listeners would probably bring this up, is one, the idea of a welfare state isn't only constitutional, unconstitutional, but you look at whoever's in charge, it's used more as a mechanism of coercion and less as a mechanism of helping people. Absolutely. It's a, it becomes political pawnage. Um, in terms of foreign policy, where do the Whigs stand? You look back at history and they were, I, I wouldn't call them an, uh, a non-interventionist party, but they were very isolationist when it came to their foreign policy back in the early and mid-1800s. Right. I mean, times have changed much since then. I mean, the Whig Party, the modern Whig Party, was formed by uh, um, veterans of Afghanistan. And, and they were, you know, they were kind of looking at, you know, what are we doing? You know, what, what's going on in America isn't, isn't right. We need to make some changes. I think that uh, we need to have a strong military. I, I think if you, if you walk around weak, you'll be treated as weak. Walk around strong, you'll be treated as strong. But I think we don't need to be um, as aggressive sometimes as we are. I think we need to take firm stands. But I think that uh, um, we don't necessarily use diplomacy as, as much as we could. What about immigration? Well, immigration, I mean... Um, <clears throat> I mean, first of all, illegal immigration, I mean, you know, the, the, that phrase explains itself. <laughs> it's illegal immigration is illegal immigration. I understand the plight of people who were let in, and, you know, we kind of created that problem as well. I think that, you know, common sense dictates that, you know, at some point we're full. And, and it's like, yeah, you could say we were a nation of immigrants and, and all that. But when you look back at the history of at the time when the majority of the immigrants came, you know, that labor was needed. That's what made America great. Now that's not necessarily the case. You look back at 1964 when, when we opened the floodgates with the immigration changes, what it did is it, it brought in all this cheap labor. It drove prices down. It, it, it destroyed so much industry, and it set the page for NAFTA to just 
completely destroy our labor force and our ability to compete. Uh, we did that internally. Um, but I think I think we, we, you know we can have an immigration. We need immigration reform. I, I guess that's where I'll start. We absolutely need to do. So that. wall because or no? We wall. can't just have a wall. Well, I mean, physically, I don't know <laughs> if the wall will work with, with, in the age of airplanes and, and stuff. I'm Catapults. not sure. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I've thought you know several times about opening up a ladder ladder factory in Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, I, I think you need at some point you need to start saying we've got everybody in that we can let for now. You know, there's there's only X amount of jobs, and you know, any other country. You know, my, my wife and I traveled to uh, Bermuda. Uh, in a cruise, and afterwards we were like, "Oh, this would be a great place to live." And then you look up, you know, it's not really possible. They're they're not a place that says, "Hey, you know, come and join us." No, it's not really going to work. If you go there with a, a business and bring the business with you, you know, they're not just going to. And and you look at other countries, and it, and it's just not. You can't just open your doors and let everybody in. That just doesn't even make sense, really. So I think I think uh, our our real issue that that we really need to come together on is what do we do with the ones that we let in when we probably shouldn't have, and now there's families of people who have never even been to the country that they've immigrated from. You know, this becomes majorly complicated. But I think that as a people we could figure this out if we stopped using it as identity politics to get votes. Sir, we're going to go ahead and continue this conversation, but first we have to go ahead and hit our commercial break. Folks, right. before I do that, i got to go ahead and give a quick shout-out to our sponsors this half hour, joinhelium.com. Go ahead and let your money grow in your sleep without even doing anything. You don't have to be a day trader, a financial investor. Just go ahead and start with an account of $5 and watch that grow. You can add to it over time. Your balloons, that's what they call it when they start out an initial um, – purchase of a given currency or cryptocurrency they go ahead and float into them when they're low they buy it up and then they go ahead and float upwards as the cost happens and right before any funny business occurs the balloons pop and you keep the gains you can go ahead and learn more about that join helium.com that's j-o-i-n-h-e-l-e-u-m join helium.com i'm remster w martinez with the remster republic hang on tight we'll be right back after this Join the Rimsay Republic on Patreon today. Today. Hey, that's really good. Take the show on the go by subscribing to the Rimsay Republic on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, and YouTube. Don't be left out. Lynchburg is a city that embodies the spirit of service Virginia is known for. I'm Albert Billingsley, and I'm running to promote free enterprise accountability, and trust in the Lynchburg City Council. Check out my website, billingsleyforlynchburg.com, and help us let Lynchburg lead the way. I'm Albert Billingsley, and I approve this message. Hello, my name is Alex Merced, and I am a libertarian. I invite you to join me in spreading the message of liberty. Come down to alexmerced.com where you can find videos and lots of other media to help educate you about liberty and more. I've also created learneconomicsnow.com as a quick way to show anyone the basics about economics. Libertarian101.com, a great starting place to learn what is libertarianism, how to get involved, and how to move things forward. Intro to liberty.com where you can learn more about how to spread the message of liberty 
through positive messaging from people like myself, Larry Sharp, and Michael Pickens. And don't forget libertarianpodcast.com where you can find an exhaustive list of libertarian podcasts for you to enjoy. This is Alex Merced. Follow me on social media such as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and more. And thank you very much. Hey guys, Tim Preuss here, and I wanted to take a minute and invite you to stop over to PreussPodcast.com and give our show a listen. We've got in-depth commentary on the issues that matter to you. These hookers. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking whores are out there. These hookers, man, I tell you. Yeah, that's like the most contact I've had with the hooker. Is them yelling at you. yelling at me on Twitter. (laughs) We break down the most pressing issues of our time. This large lady with, like, tight clothing on. Not appropriately linked tight clothing either. And we get the most intelligent analysis from friends of ours like Jeffrey Tucker. Uh, we pulled over engine trouble and, and what happened, what happened? Uh, I don't know. It was, I don't know. It was, uh, oh, I, oh, God. Seriously, though, we love putting on a show that both entertains and educates. We're growing and we'd be thrilled if you joined us. Check out PreussPodcast.com for more. That's P-R-E-U-S-S Podcast.com. Folks, welcome back. We're continuing our conversation from earlier with Tim Cotton, the state chairman of the Virginia Whig Party. Sir, um, we talked a little bit in the previous segment of the show about, you know, what, why the Whig Party's around, um, some of the stances that your party has. And just from the areas that we covered, from the welfare state to immigration to foreign policy, and even just, you know, understanding that there might need to be some, quote, compromise, it, it sounds like... You guys are just real Trump-esque Republicans, very, you know, very populist Republicans, so to speak. So why not just join the GOP? Well, I think populist is pretty accurate. I, I think one of the things is that we're looking at is not really uh, platform ideology as much as process. You know, we're looking to uh, restore representative government. What we've lost in both parties is corporations having so much influence that we're not necessarily getting uh, representative government of the people. Uh, so we're looking to, you know, so, so we're, we're looking at, we're, we're going to stay away from corporate money as much as we can because there's the old saying that, you know, you have to, you know, you have to dance with the one who brought you. And, and you know, that has its own, own battles. But, but yeah, we're, we're all about individual liberty, uh, support for American jobs. We definitely need to, to, to uh, start taking care of America. We need to need to make America great. I mean, there's no doubt about that. That's very Trump-esque, but I'm not sure. Uh, I think that the philosophy that, that Whigs employ in that let's sit down and come together on what's best for everybody rather than what's best for a party. And, and cause what I don't see in America anymore, when, what you read about in history, is true statesmanship and, and that ability to compromise. And I think that um, you know, almost like being a marriage counselor. You know, you go in and go like, like you guys, you two parties, you just can't get along. And, and it's like, okay, well, there's got to be common area where we can be in. Why can't we begin conversations with where we agree? Why does everything always begin with where we don't agree? So the Whig Party is coming in to, to like, like I said, in the middle between the parties, even if not in the center of the spectrum, 
in there's got to be a way that we as Americans we have a history of doing this. We we set this this experiment for the world, and and right now we're we're not really leading the world in this experiment of being able to do this. And a lot of it is because we have handed control of the parties to who pays for the parties. And a lot of it is because people don't don't follow politics enough that candidates have to market themselves that costs a lot of money so you got you know we have to put some of the blame in and you know it's a democracy and if a democracy's not working then the people who run the democracy is the people you know we got to put some of the blame there but we need to, we need to start changing the way the process that we use to look at things you said why not just go GOP well I've looked you know I've looked at you know all the parties I I, 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 I continue to work with with all of them, libertarian, you know, I can lean very libertarian. But when I look at how government operates, I, I look at, you know, Lincoln, uh, and I'm going to paraphrase this poorly, I'm sure, but when he was running as a Whig, I have to get that plugged for in the, there. For the uh, Illinois state legislature. Illinois legislature. He, he said that the legitimate object of government was to do for people what they need to have done, but they can't kind of do it really well for themselves. Highways is a classic example of that. Um, in their separate and their individual ways, but in in all that they can do individually, government should not interfere. And I, and I think that the two parties are taking the two parts of that and and making them extremes. And you know, one side is saying the government should not do anything, and the other is the government should do absolutely everything. I think that there's areas where the government needs to be involved in areas where we can't do it. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean the federal government. I think the federal government is completely out of control. That, you bring up a lot of good points, and I really do respect your, your outlook on this. To kind of pivot a little bit, um, it's, this is such a when, – when it comes to partisan politics specifically, I always felt that when I was in the Libertarian Party, I was playing a game of dodgeball by somebody else's rules, and the rules were when I get hit, I'm out. But when I hit you, that doesn't count. And you're going to continue to wail on me. And then if I don't get off after you've hit me, you're going to beat me up. Um, with ballot access, that's the biggest thing because it's set forth by the two major parties. Right. Th through it be uh, you know ballot access measures or even the concept of gerrymandering alone, that kills it. Uh, when you look at money... I mean, you brought up something interesting earlier. You're absolutely correct. You know, you take the king's coin, you got to sing the king's song. But, right. like, in 2016, the libertarians were really hoping that the Koch brothers would go ahead and help out Gary Johnson. And, you know, Gary didn't see a dime of that Koch money. I mean, it just seems that for the cause of a third party to work, it's almost like you have to ask somebody else to be willing to lose a game. And the game is concentrated power. Right. The, the, uh, here, you know, here in Virginia, there's a bill in the legislature that uh, Delegate Nick Freitas here in Culpeper, who's also a candidate for U.S. Senate um, this year, has introduced a bill for, to create ranked choice voting, uh, which changes the game and levels the playing field, whereas people now, instead of just picking a winner or a loser, you get to choose by ranking which ones you know, if you have four candidates, you can put in what are you, in order. What what order would you rank these guys that you would want them to be? And what one of the things that changes also is candidates have to speak, have to be able to reach out to more people. You know, rather than just motivate my base to get out and vote 
and see if I can motivate more people than the other guy out there motivating his base. Neither one is talking to the other side. Each one is talking to their own. With ranked choice voting, what happens is, is because you're going to need my second place vote possibly to get the majority, so you better be talking to me too. Changes the game completely. That does, and I'm so glad you brought this up because this has been something I've been really interested in. Not, it, you know, not many people are talking about it, and uh, you know, I think that you know the one that Delegate Freitas is proposing in the Virginia House of Delegates is smart because I don't know the 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 um, the main details, but it's separate than the ranked choice voting measure that they went ahead and I don't know if they passed it or they just voted for it in New Hampshire where they really you know had some headway on this. But the biggest opposition to ranked choice voting is that it may affect the electoral college. And I know the one that Delegate Freitas is proposing would eliminate anything that would affect um, the electoral college in terms of right. you know um, number of districts, representation, stuff like that. As a third party, I would like to see uh, the way we do this in uh, electoral college in Virginia, that we would choose that by by uh, congressional district. I I absolutely agree with that. And um, when it, when it comes to comes to that though, I mean, you know, the thing about Delegate Freitas, and it's so funny because as far as you know, for the documentary that I did about it, I called him American statesman for a reason. He plays in good faith. I don't really count many other people to play in good faith. So assuming that, let's say, it gets shot down because, you know, even though the Republicans have control of that, we are going to have a, a Democratic lieutenant governor and a Democrat governor. The Democrats are still going to vote no because they're like, nobody else but us. We'd rather right. deal with you than anybody else. And that says something. Um, right. You know, assuming that's off the table, what else do you do? Are you guys planning any uh, initiatives to try and get ballot access reform or anything else? I mean, what's what's your game plan, so to speak? Well, we're just forming. I mean, li literally. I mean, this this is all coming into being now. We're we're having our organizational meeting on the twentieth of January, um, when we're we're actually going to come into be. We're legal and everything, but we don't have our our structure put together. So we're still putting it right now. We have two. Um, unannounced candidates for Congress on the Whig Party, and uh, possibly more. I'm, I've been before I come on here today. I was in conversation with a couple of people that are thinking about it. So I'm having people come to me with, you know, hey, I was I've been reading up on Whigs. I was on your, I was on your website. This stuff all makes sense. I'd, I'd like to talk to you more. And and that's what we're finding at a, at a very quick. Uh, uh, you know, the people are like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, uh, I've been doing politics for four decades, showing my age a little bit there. And and in the streets, you know, over the last two cycles, one of the things that I found was that when that people are really, really looking for something different. And, um, of course, there's got to be something viable. Or they're not going to just go, oh, yeah, let's go with this. And so we're looking to create something viable. It's, it's a long-term plan. It's not going to happen overnight, obviously. But we have to have the initiatives. We have to have the ballot. We can get ranked choice voting. We're looking to get the the percentage needed for statewide office for president at, to from ten percent down to three percent. You know, ten percent. It's the largest in the nation. Ten percent. I think the next highest is five percent. You know, that's also in the legislature with Nick. But this comes out of dialogue because Nick doesn't care what party you're representing. He he listens to what you have to say. I mean, it sounds like a commercial for Nick here, I know, but but this is the way the game is supposed to be played. You want you know, more like, statesmen, you want less politicians. Absolutely. It's like, it's like, you know, we can sit down and talk and uh, talk about the areas where we agree, 
And you know what? Let's not talk about the areas where neither one of us is going to change our mind. There's no point. You know? But there's areas where we all as Americans should be able to come together. For instance, when you're talking about welfare reform, there isn't, you know, one party will say that you know, the other ones just want people to die in the street and they don't care about them. Well, that's not the truth of the matter. That's not what the Republican Party is saying. What we're saying is that there's got to be a better way of doing it. And why don't we spend our time looking for that better way rather than use the issue for pawns to get our people elected on both sides? Let's spend that time actually finding that way. Definitely. Sir, God let you go. For people wondering whether or not they want to learn more about the Whig Party, whether or not they could actually consider, you know, a new third party other than the Libertarians and the whole gambit of the list, what's your final pitch to voters, primarily those voters in Virginia that are looking for a third way to go? Well, I think that you know, we're, we're a centrist, nonpartisan, independent thinking. That's what we're looking for, independent thinkers, third party. And we're just looking to offer Virginians a practical alternative to the two-party system uh, rather than ideologically driven politics, let's put common sense and rational alternatives into it. So we're looking for independent thinkers who are saying what we're doing now isn't really working. And the biggest thing is even where we don't win elections is to be involved where we can change the conversation. And, you know, they can look us up online at vawigs.org, V-A-W-H-I-G-S.org. Find out more. Call me. Send me an email. Contact us. Um, you know, whatever it's, you know, America can do better than we're doing. We're, we're, we're smarter at democracy than we're, than we're really acting. Sir, thank you so much for coming on the program. Definitely insightful. Thank you for all your insight and best of luck. Thank you. Folks, go ahead and, you know, if you want these conversations to continue, please consider, you know, supporting us financially. We only survive off listener support. You can go ahead and drop us a one-time donation at rumsorepublic.com slash donate donate through paypal or drop us some bitcoin all the other awesome cryptocurrency out there and if you want some awesome swag exclusive content and you know you want to be part of the cabal of cool as we're calling it go ahead and support us for as little as one dollar a month on patreon get exclusive books comics posters shirts shows you name it we got it as little as one dollar we've got different levels on there go ahead and check us out patreon that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash remso republic as always be good to your neighbor go ahead and treat yourself a bit and tune in next week america i'm remso w martinez good night stay up to date with the latest news and updates by visiting remsorepublic.com Hey, this is Lloyd Bailey, the Armed Lutheran, host of the Armed Lutheran Radio Podcast, reminding you that the podcast you're listening to is a proud member of the Self-Defense Radio Network. Check out all the great content at selfdefenseradio.net.